You're listening to Beyond the Bike with Big Lou. And now a few words from our advertisers. Welcome to Sysmontane Brewing Company. We are located at 1409 East Warner Suite 6, Santa Ana, California 92705. We are open on Monday through Thursday from 3 to 9, Friday and Saturday from 12 to 9, and Sunday from 12 to 6. We have 15 beers on tap with rotating seasonal options. We also have a cask night and taco Tuesday every Tuesday from 3 to 9. And we also feature vinyl Sundays where you can come and choose your own record and we play your music for you. We'll see you soon, Santa Ana. Cheers. All right, what's up, guys? Big Lou here. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bike. Tonight, special guest is Brent Foes, Foes Fab. What's up, Brent? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I appreciate you coming into the studio and talking story with us and... Uh, you know, we're going to get to know you, um, how you started started uh, this awesome industry. And, uh, uh, well, you, you jump-started it, you know, from what it used to be. Well, I'm not too sure about that. We just sort of uh, took our own route and decided to do stuff that, that we like to do and what have you. But um, I had different things in mind, and I wasn't coming from the bicycle industry. I was coming into it new and, and just took a lot of ideas that that I was familiar with in other industries and sort of put it into a bicycle mm-hmm. so so you, you, your your background is off-road racing well yeah i mean before that i i raced professional motocross for 10 years oh no way yeah and um after i found out that that uh, gets a little hard on the bodies <laughs> um i a friend of mine uh, had a, a sponsorship with dodge and uh started working with him and um got in the off-road that way okay so, well, I mean, what did, what were you guys making when you guys were uh, when you started doing like fabricating work? Well, you mean for the off road stuff? Yeah, for the off road yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, we'd build the trucks from scratch. I mean, we built uh, what they called the Class Eight trucks. So. Oh, like um, Walker Evans stuff. Yeah, exactly. We raced really? against Walker, Rod Hall, all those guys. Oh wow! And then um, I worked with him for a while, and then I got a job uh, building trucks for Nissan, and and rode with Roger Mears, and you're kidding me. Did all That's the Baja cool. One Thousand and the Five Hundred and. You know, um, all that stuff. So what what was cool about that was I got a chance to build the cars, and then I also I rode in the cars, too. So if something happened, I was there to fix it. So, <laughs> but we won uh, quite a few championships, and uh, it, w- it was fun. It was fun. And then towards the end, um, a lot of the factories got out of it because it got to the point where I think racing across the desert wasn't really... Um, Making money? Well, it, it wasn't that. It was the... It was the image that was presented to the general population, you know, thinking that we're, you know, going fast and running over animals, you know, endangered turtles and all that type <laughs> of stuff. So they, they came up with that term, tread lightly. Okay. So all the factories left, and, and that's sort of an era where the off-road started slowing down. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really back now, but it's all, you know, personally funded and what have you. Yeah, you know, um, Toyota Toyota was involved for a while, and uh, and then they just scrapped their program, and then Volkswagen came on for a while. That's when Southfish was still still mm-hmm. the director of Sport International, and then uh, and then they just kind of, you know, so there is, yeah, you're right, there isn't really like a like what it used to be back in the day, like Ford, Chevy, you know, oh, yeah. Dodge. We'd, we'd race against Ivan Stewart and and all the the top guys that were, you know, all factory back drivers right and um it was fun back then and then you know it all sort of all slowed down and um after that i figured you know i got to keep busy and stuff so you know i got into building anything you know pre-runners street rods whatever it took yeah and then um i had uh my brother-in-law came one by one day and he showed me a mountain bike action magazine i think it was 1991 or 92 
and he said, hey, they're, they're putting suspension on mountain bikes, and there was a couple at the time. Mm-hmm. And that sort of caught my interest because I did have a mountain bike, but it was just a hardtail, and I rode it a little bit, and I said, this is, this is uncomfortable, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And, and, and so I was probably around 35 at the time, and so it got me thinking, and I just started out designing my own bike, and I saw what was out there. Um, but, um, you know, they were, they were building them with like two inches of travel mm-hmm. and, um, you know, our, our limited mini trucks had six inches right? because we had rules and stuff like that. So I said, well, that, that's, that's a good number to start with. So, mm-hmm. you know, I went ahead and built my first bike with six inches of travel, but there weren't shocks out there. There weren't forks out there, nothing of that. So I had to make all that stuff myself. And, um, so that's how it all started just, you know, and, and the other thing that we did uh, just to stand out, instead of building it out of tubing, we I decided to hydroform. Was, so that was that something that was popular in in, uh, in mountain biking, or is that something that you you kind of brought over from? Uh, well, uh, hydroforming oh. is just a form of um, shaping aluminum and stuff. And I figured, well, if I'm going to stand out and look a little different, I figured it was a little bit more challenging than just cutting cutting tubing and welding them together. Yeah, because you're you're basically you're you're two pieces together, right? So it requires a lot more labor, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and the first ones, you know, was a learning curve. I mean, I, I made the first molds. You, you make a male mold, and, and I made them out of wood, and then I hammer-formed them with a hammer to, to create the shape. That's a lot of work. It is, but, you know, it's, it, for me, it, you know, it's, I like learning that kind of stuff, and, and it was just, you know, when you get done with it, it is something a little different than, than a regular tube-frame bike. Mm-hmm. And, so, I mean, we're... So you you had the idea of I want to start building bikes, so I mean did so you you had motocross background so were you were you out there like riding these bikes when you when you built them or well, did you have somebody out there? What I I built my first bike I you know I hadn't planned on selling them or doing anything with them it was just a challenge to see what I could come up with so my first bike had six inches of travel and I think I bought a production fork that had like two and a half so mm-hmm. it wasn't really balanced but. The way I looked at it is, you know, I think you can use a little bit more in the back than you can in the front. Right. You know, it's there if you need it. So I put this bike together, and I went up into the foothills and uh, was test riding it and stuff like that, not really knowing what I was doing. But <laughs> it, it was fun, though. And uh, I came across a friend, which is a good friend now, is John Carr, who, for, you know, takes pictures for mountain bike action and stuff. And he was up there testing a bike with uh, Bryson Martin. I think it was an iron horse or something like that. Okay. And, so he, he looked at this thing, and he goes, wow, what's that? And I said, that's oh, just something I created in my garage. So <laughs> he says, do you mind if I take some pictures of it? And I said, sure, I don't care. You know, go ahead. <laughs> then uh, uh, what happened is a couple months later, I started getting phone calls um, from people all over the place wanting to know if these bikes were available. And I was wondering to myself, I said, how did they even know about it? Well, <laughs> come to find out, they, they ended up putting it in the buyer's guide. Oh, wow. So people thought they were available and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, I was going, I was thinking, I said, well, do I really want to make mountain bikes and, and that type of stuff? But um, it was a challenge and ended up running across a friend of mine that had just had passed or uh, just uh, graduated from UCLA um, Business School. And he says, well, if you want to start a business, you know, start with a business plan and then let's see what it would cost to produce these things. And so we decided to to go for it, and mm-hmm. I figured, you know, we're going to build 100 frames and become rich, but <laughs> things <laughs> didn't quite work out like that. So, uh, but yeah, we um, we ended up uh, starting to build frames in our garage and spent, I think, 12 years building building frames out of there, and actually did pretty well. I really enjoyed it and got a lot of you know interest in them and stuff like yeah. that. 
So what, what was the process back in the day to, to build a bike from scratch? Like from, you know, when you get the, the, the sheets of aluminum and forming them, like from start to finish, how, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that was a process. It was a learning process. What we ended up doing is you can't, you can't hammer form every one of them because you're just too labor intensive. Mm-hmm. So what we would do is we would come up with a shape that we wanted and have the, the parts um, stamped out. A company that does stamping and stuff. So then we take that part to another place that does hydroforming, which does a lot of aircraft stuff. Mm-hmm. So we give them our mold and the stamped out parts, and they'd stamp, they'd hydroform as many as you need. Mm-hmm. And we'd pick them up, bring them back, trim them, and then I think our first batch, we ended up having a Control Tech, which is a company that's been around a long time. I don't know if they're around anymore, but they were up in San Jose, and we took our parts up there to have them to weld them for us. Okay. And, um, that's how we started just you know just started making 10 or 20 at a time mm-hmm. and um found that we we couldn't keep up wow. and uh it, they were working really well so that you so you 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 created a niche right yeah i think so we created something that that uh sparked a lot of interest in people mm-hmm. and uh it was i think unique looking at the time and i think that's what uh, caught people's eye right and um you know it's just um I still get calls every now and then. People still have those things. I want to keep them going and stuff. I say, well, why don't you hang them up in the garage, let them rest a little bit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you were uh, um, you were inducted into the uh, Marin Hall of Fame? Yeah, we uh, that happened uh, last, last year, yeah, last yeah. year uh, a couple months ago. And a good friend of mine, uh, there's a, a good friend of mine who's a distributor in uh, Switzerland, uh, Stefan, and he's the one who sort of got the ball rolling and, and it was nothing that I really thought about, but um, he, he just figured, hey, you know, you deserve it. You put a lot of time into it. You know, I, we're, we're celebrating our 25th year. That's awesome. And I've uh, seen a lot of things come and go and invented a lot of different things. And um, so you just throw your your name in the hat and, mm-hmm. and see what happens. And right. we were picked out the first time with uh, two other people. That's awesome. And um, it was it was a uh, a pleasure that um, people, you know, recognize, you know, the work you can do. Well, I'm 25 years in the industry, you know, and, and uh, you know, still working with aluminum where versus a lot of a lot of companies are, you know, mass mass factories, you know what I mean, mass produced and stuff, and they're, you know, everybody's kind of going to, to carbon fiber now, so. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen it, you know, if you hang into it long enough, it goes full circle, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of industries. But, um, you know, we still stay true to aluminum. Mainly aluminum, you know, it's all aluminum and made here in the USA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people are going overseas to get them made out of carbon, and that's a whole other process, which didn't excite me at all because <clears throat> I'm not one to just design something and then send it off to have somebody make it. Right. I, I've got to be involved in, in, you know, every aspect of it. Yeah, when I went to your shop, um, you were in the corner welding some, you know, I think you were probably welding a frame-up or something. Yeah, I do a lot of welding if I have the time uh, just because – you know, you got to keep practicing at it, and, and it's just good therapy for me. And uh, You know, I split my days up doing all sorts of stuff, either mm-hmm. running machines, welding, talking to people. You know, if anybody wants to come by and, and check out how we build them and stuff, they're more than welcome. I That's mean, pretty it, cool that, that you, you, you can offer, you know, you're opening up the doors to people, and it's not like, oh, you guys can't come in type of deal like like other other companies or other factories. No. Where, yeah, yeah. We, we welcome people. If they're interested in coming by, we even have kids come by and want to see how a bike's being built. Um, we've got them in all different stages, and I'll pull a piece out and show them how you hydroform it mm-hmm. um, because I that's how I learned. And, and if somebody wants to come by and see how something's done, 
you know, you're more than welcome. Right. It, it's kind of a lost art now. Like a lot of stuff is not made here in the U.S. and and you're you're sticking to to you know to doing it and. You know, it might it might maybe the margins are probably not there because obviously you you, you send that overseas, you know, you're gonna you're gonna maximize your profits, but you know, you want is what just the you know pride in, in in your craftsmanship. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, it's a passion for me. I like doing it. You know, if I was in it to make a lot of money, I'd be doing something else. Right. But uh, I just enjoy building something from scratch. And then you know, a guy gets the bike, he builds it up, and he calls him back and says, "Hey, this thing really works. I enjoy it." Mm-hmm. I mean, I think at times we probably build them to last too long because we get a lot of people that don't want to let the old ones go. <laughs> but um, no, it's um, you know, I. If if I had to go overseas and do it, it's it's just not worth the headaches for me because mm-hmm. there's there, there's a whole other, you know, issue about this and that and controlling the right. the quality and stuff. Where when we do it in house, I I look at everything, mm-hmm. and if it's not right, it doesn't go out the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, our frames get straightened over three four times before they even get you know put in a box. Mm-hmm. So so you created the uh, the concept of the suspension around the bike versus the bike around the suspension. Well, we've we've done a lot of different things, you know. Um, when we were got into building our own shocks and stuff like that, I used the Kernut technology, which was basically a what they called a stable platform system, and it worked really good for bikes that um, you needed, to, you know, pedal really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used that system for I think probably six or seven years, and actually it got bled into and licensed to to Fox and Fifth Element and that type of stuff. So. Mm. Um, but we found out that it, there's a lot of work into building shocks and putting them in production and that kind of stuff. So I never really went into selling them to other people. We just made them for our own bikes, mm-hmm. and um, because you got you got all the warranty issues and distributors it's and too much work. Huh? Yeah, it's just too much work, and it tied up a lot of machine time in our in our machines. So mm-hmm. we um, we don't no longer make them anymore, and it sort of upset some people. But yeah. um, the shocks have gotten a lot better now. Right. Uh, so we're we're putting more of our attention to just building frames mm-hmm. and um, you know trying to perfect that as we go. So when when you like a lot of you know big companies they you know they're they're, they're the shocks are tuned to that you know to that setup mm-hmm. you know so is, are you guys doing the same thing where you know you guys have like certain like requirements when they're building the shocks for you guys? Well, yeah, I mean the shocks are built around your you know your leverage ratios and 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 that type of stuff and and. We've always sort of shoot towards the low side of the leverage ratio, so it it works better with you know air shocks and coil springs. You don't have to go such high on the on the spring rates and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, yeah, when we order shocks, we order them. You know, they know what our specs are as far as the travel and the motion ratio and mm-hmm. leverage ratio and that type of stuff. So it, it requires a lot of like just crunchy numbers to figure out like, hey, I want to you know I want a bike that's going to pedal efficiently uphill. But when you descend, you know it's gonna it's gonna use all the travel that you know that it has, right? Yeah, you you try to get a happy medium and stuff like that. I mean, we've just um, taken um, you know everything that we've learned over the years, and you know we try to build a frame that's you know dependable. Mm-hmm. You know, not a lot of maintenance, not not a lot of moving parts, but something that you can go out and just you know hammer and not worry about hurting it or fracturing it and that type of right. stuff. And then you know the the shocks are basically you know built to work around with the suspension. Mm-hmm. So, carbon versus aluminum. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you're you're like diehard aluminum, but I mean, is there sustainability with with carbon fiber? Because you know there's a lot of waste 
you know, with with that stuff. At least with aluminum, it can get recycled. If it, you yeah. know, the parts don't come out right, you know, you can always, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, aluminum, you can always recycle it and stuff. I'm not really sure what they're doing with all the carbons that cracks are broken and stuff like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure I know what they're doing with it, but uh, <laughs> they can't reuse it again. Um, aluminum and carbon are just two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, carbon is is something that you know you, you can create almost anything you want and stuff like that. But the problem is, is is just trying to make sure that stuff is. You, you've got to sort of make sure it's built properly and stuff like that. And a lot of times, I, I what I'm what I'm seeing now is. They start out with carbon frames, you know, pretty light and what have you, but, you know, you can fracture them, and then when they do fracture, they just let go, and, they, and there's no warning. Mm-hmm. Aluminum will bend or something like that and at least give you a heads up that, you know, something's wrong. Yeah. But now with the carbon frames, you know, these guys are pushing them harder, so they're, they're actually getting a little heavier than they were originally because mm-hmm. they have to add more carbon and, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, the so, epoxy or whatever the resin yeah, they're using, right? exactly, exactly. So, um, you know... Between a carbon, strong carbon frame and an aluminum frame, I mean, there's not that big a difference. Mm-hmm. And um, so people just they just want the bling factor, like, oh, my bike's carbon. Well, yeah, and they say it's carbon, but I'm not really sure if they know exactly what carbon is or not. You know, okay. because there is a lot of different types of so-called carbon out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like the stuff they're putting on a Formula One. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know, and and actually, you know, realistically, I mean, there's more work into build an aluminum frame and it is a carbon frame mm-hmm. i mean carbon frames are, are you know mass produced over in china or wherever and and um but you know they can actually you know charge a higher price for it mm-hmm. because of the so-called carbon name right so so when when you start from scratch you, is there's a there's a sheet of aluminum that comes in right to your factory or to your shop yeah yeah we get you know we order sheets of aluminum and then they go straight to the water jet machine, and that cuts out our pattern. Okay. We have a, quite a few different patterns and stuff, depending on what size frame you're building. Right. So um, what kind of a material of aluminum are you using for your All for the your material frames? we use is a 6061 T6 okay. for all the machine pieces, and then all the hydroform stuff we use a O condition, which is real soft. Okay. So you can, you can maneuver it really easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have an idea how far we can push it before it cracks or whatever. Right, right. So... But, you know, so we form it around our dies, you know, like if you're making a top tube, you got the left and the right. Mm-hmm. And then we trim it so it gets to the proper width and they get welded up and stuff okay. like that. And we can create some nice shapes that actually be lighter than, than tubing because you don't have all the intersections and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how many types of bikes do you guys have right now? Do you guys? Uh, right now selling? we have uh, six different models. Okay. And you guys have the the mixer, which is like a twenty nine front, twenty seven five rear, right? Yeah, which is yeah. pretty unique. Well, you know, it's 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 been done before. I think. Well, other sizes have been done before. You know, mm-hmm. you got the the twenty six, twenty nine. You know, which you know is a little too far off. But the actually, when the twenty seven point five came out with and the twenty nine in the front. What that really does, it's got some unique features features to it. And if if you've never tried one, um, you've got to because you you'll notice it right away. Um, there's probably nobody else doing it that I know. But um, but with the the two different wheel sizes, I mean the the main things are is, first of all, the front axle now is higher in the front than it is in the rear, so the bike feels naturally a little lighter. Mm-hmm. And then also too, with the two different wheel diameters, when you're making a turn. 
they're traveling in two different arcs. So it's not going to feel like a 29er where it's lazy. It, it, this thing's really snappy. And so when you're going around, it, the back of the bike wants to follow the front all the time. Mm. So if you take the bike and you go into a, let's say, into a turn, let's say if you're riding in snow or something, you'll actually see the two different paths. Oh, wow. So it makes a big difference when you're cornering and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, um, you know, it's, and, and our bikes are built around those two wheel sizes. You can't just take a regular 27.5 wheel bike that's designed with those two wheel sizes and slap a 29 fork and, and wheel on there. It changes everything. It's not going to be the same as this if it's perfectly designed for the specs that you're calling out. So, I mean, what? What was your idea behind it? Just like, hey, I want to change it up, do something different. I mean, what was your well, like, thought behind it, it? The thought behind it was, you know, what it what it does is, like I said, it it you have a bigger wheel in the front, so mm-hmm. it naturally wants to go over stuff easier. You know, it fills in the bumps, and then you don't have the the instead of having a twenty nine in the back, you got still got the twenty seven five, so it's a little snappier and quicker than a okay. twenty nine inch in the rear. Mm-hmm. So you have the sort of the best of both worlds, I think. Right, right. So. Two, six different models, and, and you know, uh, before we, we came on the air, you said you, you're working on something different or something new for, for, yeah. Uh, for Sea Otter. Yeah, we're, you know, I always try to come out with something new, you know, every maybe three years. I don't like making changes just to be making changes to sell something different. Right, that, that's you what know. a lot of big companies do, but, I mean, they have the uh, the resources where, like, hey, let's just throw throw a bunch of money at it, you know, and see, see if it, yeah, see if it exactly, sticks. Yeah, exactly, exactly, because I look at it like, you know, if you're making changes all the time and a customer buys a bike and he says, oh, now that's obsolete because now he came out with something new, I, I, I don't do it that way, you know. Mm-hmm. I make changes because I have a new idea. So... Um, yeah, we've got a couple new new projects that we're working on. We're going to de- debut them at Sea Otter, um, and it's you know it's just something that you know it takes a while for me to figure out what I want to do because I don't like I said I just don't want to do something just to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that you know it sort of fills a gap between some of the models we have. Okay, so, awesome. And then you guys also have a hardtail, right? Yeah, we have a hardtail. Uh, we made a production hardtail actually in, with conjunction with uh, Bryson Martin at DBO. Okay, cool. So uh, we made a limited edition of those, and I think we we still make them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty cool. It um, had a 150, it was designed around a 150 travel fork in the front. Really? Uh, plus size tires. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it was, that's it cool. Was pretty gnarly. It was really uh, a fun project. And um, so, yeah, we're not a, really afraid to try anything, really. Right, right. Um, what's your guys' like biggest selling bike, you know, model that you guys have? Well, we have our standard FXR, which is basically our uh, six and a half and seven inch travel, you know, all around uh, trail bike, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that's based around a twenty seven point five front and rear, and we've been making that for a long time. And then we have our mixers, which are we have an enduro model and a trail model, mm-hmm. um, and those are two different travel uh, sizes. Um, that work really well, and then uh, we have our Mutts, which is a, a fat tire bike. Okay. So what's cool is like you know, when it's winter time, you're still selling, still selling frames and stuff. You know. <laughs> right, right. So keep keep you busy throughout the year. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think we have a little bit of everything, and I think with the two new models we're working on, that'll sort of fill the gap between the FXR and the and our mixers. Awesome, awesome. Um, so you're saying you know about the um the challenges of like kind of keeping up with the trend right so but are your all your stuff right now is is pretty much like boost setup right you know you guys are boost you guys are like one by 
right? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. I mean, we we you can everything we make is boost right now. Okay. Um, and as far as the one buy, I mean, that seems to be what everybody's doing. We can still, if you want, you can put a front derailleur on these bikes, run you know two chain rings. But okay. you know, I think a lot of people sort of just follow trends and figure you know that's that's what everybody's doing. So mm-hmm. we'll go that route. But it, they're compatible with either or. Okay. And um, so you know, but yeah, they just stay basically standard components and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to order um, a bike, do they? Is it a complete bike, or is you, are you guys just selling the frames? Well, we sell our main thing is just selling frames because okay. usually when somebody buys a bike like this, they have their idea of what kind of components they want to put on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can get parts and build it up for them too. Uh, either way, I mean, we still offer them in a raw condition or any color you want. Um, but um, yeah, they're they're available. You know, uh, we have dealers you can get them through, or or. You know, you can call us direct, and we can help you out that way too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on like the the limits of like bike design? Like, I mean, how far is too far on building well, bikes? Well, I've always said that. You know, you think that uh, you might come up with something new, but it's already thought of and what have you and stuff like that. I mean, bikes are getting a lot closer to where, you know, they're they're pretty much tuned right now. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they pretty much got them dialed in. I know they're you know playing with suspension and shocks. Uh, trying that but you know every every manufacturer has their own idea on how suspension should work Mm -hmm. so there's nothing really standard yet right um you know even though they might look alike and they they move the pivots around here or there just to try to make it a little bit better but um yeah i don't know there's that's probably the only market that i know of that's got so many different types of (laughs) shock configurations you know right um everybody thinks that theirs is the best but um all in all i mean they the bikes are working better now than they ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I mean, they're just, uh, I think, you know, it's just a lot of thought put into them, and they're, they're, they're all fairly equal, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you, so obviously, your, your business is growing because you guys moved to a bigger, bigger facility? Yeah. Right? Yeah, we were, I moved out of my garage, and I uh, bought a building down the street from my house, and that, that lasted for a while. We were there probably for 10 years, and... Um, sort of outgrew that and um, had the opportunity to go find another building that was larger and because uh, we wanted to get more CNC machines because we do all that stuff in-house. Mm-hmm. And so we moved about a year ago, and um, now I'm finding out I'm <laughs> I'm almost out of room there. So it's um, a good problem to have. Well, yeah, yeah, good and bad, but um, so we're, we'll try to stick it out as long as we can before we start uh, <laughs> looking again, looking around and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, yeah. it's not two minutes away from my house; it's like fifteen minutes. Right. So <laughs> I have to get on the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> bumper to bumper traffic yeah, sometimes, yeah. huh? So you, you you brought some you brought some parts in, right? So we, we yeah, we, I I just wanted to, I brought some parts just to show you an idea of what the um, yeah. Let's uh, go ahead and grab them. Okay. This is uh, this is just one half of um, a, a top tube that's been hydroformed. Okay. And um, so they get they get formed like this, and then um, this is a second second operation where we put the Foes USA in there. Mm-hmm. And then um, when we get these two pieces uh, together, we go ahead and um, we weld them up, and it creates a uh, nice. Uh, strong box what's the uh what's the thickness on these uh we use fifty thousands fifty thousands okay yeah yeah so we can create some nice shapes and and um do all sorts of stuff you know once you know what the limits are yeah on forming the stuff 
But, you know, we make every part of the bike. I mean, you know, these are head tubes that we make, um, all different sizes and stuff. So, so uh, wh- I mean, how long does it take the, your your, your uh, CNC machine to create that? Yeah, it probably takes us about five minutes to machine this. Okay. Because there's two operations. We do we do all the inside boring, mm-hmm. and then we set it on a mandrel and turn the outside. Okay. So that gives us our shape. Okay. And then we do, you know, rear dropouts. Um, our rear dropouts just has this uh, standard um, brake mount, which is part of the dropout, which you can make two separate pieces, but... It's a little cleaner this way. Yeah. So that, that looks like it takes a lot longer to, to, to do something does. like that, it right? It does. It takes longer to make, but it just it just stays straighter because it's all one piece yeah. instead of welding the two pieces together. It takes a bigger piece of material, mm-hmm. but in the long run, it's it works out better. Okay. So I'm... So obviously, like you're growing, so now you you have more help uh, designing and and kind of engineering this kind of stuff, right? Because I mean that that's like you got to plug in a bunch of bunch of codes yeah, into the, into the yeah, CNC these, machine, right? Yeah, these all have to be, we draw them up on the CAD and um, create a program for it. And mm-hmm. So every piece that we do, you know, has to be, you know, drawn up. And if you're running on the CNC machine, it needs a program. So right. um, I've got a guy that does that full time for me. Okay. So is there like, so obviously you guys don't have a real big facility. So so you guys have like, uh, like a schedule like, hey, today we're going to do, you know, this run, you know, and, you know, Try yeah. to try to try to create a little bit of inventory. Or? Yeah, what we do is I try to keep a little bit every everything in stock. So you know, every Monday we'll sit down and and go over what we have in inventory and stuff like that, and then create a build list on what what we're going to start working on because I don't want to run out of parts because mm-hmm. if you're missing one part, you can't finish a complete bike. <laughs> it just sits there, huh? Yeah, exactly. So we keep a good inventory of all the pits and pieces, and then um, then we go ahead and start cutting the tubes and and like one week we'll do one particular model in three different sizes and then the next week we'll do the swing arms for them mm-hmm. and then um they all get they get welded up and then we send them out to the heat treaters and okay and actually we we have a, a facility that heat treats our frames for us but we actually go there and check the alignment ourselves really instead of relying on someone else to do it so uh, what's the process of alignment like how, what are you talking about like when you say aligning it well, when you weld something up, you know, first of all, you're welding 6061O condition to 6061T6. So when you weld it, you've got to heat treat it, you know, so it's all one. Mm-hmm. So what we'll do is we'll take it to the heat treaters, and they do is they they heat it up, and they, they quench it in water, and that'll neutralize the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But it makes it all soft. And um, so what they do when they're done with that process, they put it in the freezer, and what that does is it doesn't, it allows us to come down to straighten the stuff before it starts artificially hardening. It'll take a while to do that, but once they put it in the freezer, it just sort of tells the molecules not to move anymore. Okay. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll drag them out of the freezer and we'll straighten every one of them. Is there like and, a like, so? Is it like on a jig where you yeah, just kind of yeah? Just... We have a fixture with indicators and stuff like that to make sure everything's uh, straightened properly, the head tube straight, and and all the pickup points are in the right location. Mm-hmm. So we'll just straighten all of those parts out, and then they'll go back and they'll age them in the oven, you know, for about eight hours at 400 degrees. Hmm. And then um, then we pick them up and bring them back, and some will get assembled raw, and some will be sent out to get painted. Mm-hmm. But uh, then we go back and we sh- uh, surface all the um, pickup points and ream them out for the bearings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we'll assemble them, and we'll check the alignment one more time. Wow. So it's a, it's a lot. It's a, lot. a process. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't really realize how much work goes into these things, and probably don't appreciate it because it, you know. <laughs> yeah, they just want to ride them, you know. But uh, <laughs> I want to make sure that they're perfect when they leave. Yeah. 
So, uh, from from like when somebody you know uh, calls in an order, like, hey, I want you know a mixer, you know, in a mm-hmm. large, whatever. How long before it gets in their hands, the customer's hands? Well, usually we can turn it around in a couple of days if we have it in stock. Oh wow! Yeah, that's quick. Uh, if they, yeah, if they want it raw, I mean, we try to keep a, a, basically a standard color in stock, which is like a satin black. But any custom colors, it's going to take around uh, three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the models we try to keep in stock, so it cuts the lead time down because a lot of people when they want to buy a bike, if you don't have it, they got the second, you know, second item on hand and right. they'll go buy that. But right. um, no, we try to we try to you know speed it up as as possible. Mm-hmm. You know? That's pretty cool. So after all these twenty five years, you still have a passion for building bikes. Yeah, yeah a lot of people think I'm crazy and stuff like that. And I, <laughs> like I said, I've seen a lot of people come and go, but um, I'm I'm I guess I'm stubborn or something like that. I'm not too sure. <laughs> uh, but I just I just like creating these things, and um, it's it's never really gotten I mean, old. They're and, they're beautiful, you know, like the the welds and you know, and uh, I mean it just. You have to be passionate about it because if if you're just kind of just going through the motions, you know, and you know these walls don't penetrate properly or whatever, yeah. I mean, you know, that can be catastrophic. Yeah, no, you 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 have to know what you're doing, and you know, I've got a lot of years in welding, and and you know, I'm still learning. But um, yeah, I mean, I just we just take pride in making the stuff here in the in the USA, and and uh, people that buy our frames really appreciate it. A lot of people, younger kids, look at this and go, "What's that down the middle?" Like all, you know, it's a, it's a weld, you know. <laughs> You know, not everything's made out of carbon. You know? Right, right. That's so. that's a lost art. You know, like handmade stuff is a lost art, and um, you know, it's it's awesome that you guys are sticking to to the you know the old fashioned way. You know, like uh, you know Jesse James. You know, he was building choppers. You know, and now he's yeah. kind of you know you know blacksmith gunsmith kind of a yeah. deal. And you know, he he you know just the passion that he has. Yeah, you know, I for, think for what it stuff. is is you know, I mean, back when I was learning how to do stuff, you know, we didn't have other things that you know. That occupied your time with all the electronics and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I always like doing stuff with my hands and making stuff, and I still do. And you know, I'm gonna keep doing it as long as I can. Right, right. Well, and you know, it, it's 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 important to have uh, a good crew to help you, you know, oh, achieve yeah. your goals. Yeah, yeah. I've got a good bunch of guys that have stuck with me, and and they keep me motivated at times and stuff like that. So you know, it's easy not to wake up and not go to work on a Saturday or a Sunday. But, um, you know, I managed to do it. I guess it just, you know, keeps me moving. And, and, you know, if I got a new idea, I can't wait to get to work to start playing around with the idea and see if it's, you know, it's capable of doing something. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and there, there isn't that many, you know, owners that are hands-on to stuff. Usually they, they have somebody do their, you know, their hard work now that you've, you know, you've, you know. yeah. I mean, I'm not afraid to, you know, push the broom or whatever. I just, I do whatever it takes to keep the things rolling and moving mm-hmm. right along. And, and um, you know, I just, it's just something that you've done for a long time. That's just, you know, hard to break, break those bad habits. <laughs> I don't know. If they're, I don't know if they're bad habits though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, you know, when you're the owner, um, you know, you got to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, you, you just got to, you know, do whatever it takes to get it done and, and not worry about, you know. You gotta wear many what hats. What people might think, or, or yeah. whatever, you know. Right, exactly. So now, you know, we're we're gonna be talking about the Ford Transit, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, you have a Transit, I have a Transit, and I mean, what was your idea, you know, to to you know, create a lift kit for these things? Well, I first I saw the first Transit at Interbike, I think, about four or five years ago, and um, I knew a lot of friends of mine had the had the the Sprinters and stuff, but I, I I'm always been a Ford guy, so. Um, when I got one of these um, transits, I think in 2015, 
I really liked it, but they did they did a lot of nice work on these things. But I decided that you know I wanted to put some bigger tires on it and I wanted to do some other stuff. But looking around, there was nothing available for them because they were so new. Mm-hmm. And I I talked to a lot of manufacturers and they weren't planning on doing anything because they weren't too sure if they were going to sell or not. So um, I just said you know I've always done them all my life. I just figured well I'm just going to make the stuff myself. So the first thing we did was we made a lift kit for it because I wanted to put bigger tires on it. Mm-hmm. And not crazy, you know, it's just a, a suspension lift. It would raise it up two inches to to put a little larger tires on it. Because mm-hmm. uh, I already got two flats with the stock wheels, and they just, they're just, I think they just put too small of a tire on that on those particular vehicles. Right. So we just, um, you know, th- there's a couple of dilemmas there. On these things, there's there's no adjustment on the front end as far as correcting the camber, right. the wheel angle. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I didn't want to just put a body lift on it because that's just spacing everything, you know, away from the from the tire. Mm-hmm. So what we did was just um, we we build a spacer that fits on top of the strut in the front, and actually gives you two more inches of ground clearance underneath the, the cross member, which is nice. And then since there's no adjustment for the camber. I just we modify the stock lower control arm to correct the camera back to stock, and I think that might scare a lot of people. But it's actually a simple way of of, of doing it, and you only have one part that you're replacing on the van. Well, I mean, you're coming from an off-road racing yeah. background, so I mean, you have a lot of years of experience, and you know what yeah, you're doing. I mean, it's not you just... know, th- that was sort of a piece of cake for me. You know, <laughs> I mean, we're used to building stuff from scratch and what have you. So that was basically a. a a simple fix other than figuring out you know how long we need to extend it mm-hmm. um but um it, it worked really well and and now you know i've had people come up to me and say hey what'd you do to your van and i told them and i have other people interested in them so i say well we'll just start a little side business on the side and now we're we've got like probably you know six different items for them now mm-hmm. and it's starting to take off but uh you know that's just something on the side that i like to do but you know our bicycles are the main main you know yeah. objective yeah the, the bread and butter of yeah the exactly but you know I, I when i find something i'm passionate about i like to you know try to improve things and help people out with the same thing mm-hmm. so you're obviously you know now now you're selling the kits now yeah we have we try to keep the stuff in stock and what have you mm-hmm. and, and and just letting people know about it um you know we're still new and trying to get it out there and let people know what we're doing and i have some other stuff in the works um, but we have like a lift kit for it now, and we make a light bar for the front to hold a 20-inch uh, LED light. Mm-hmm. And we we make these grab bars for the back, so when it's actually lifted a little bit, it makes it harder to get in the back. So, right, yeah, so exactly. So you got a handle to grab a hold of. And, right. And just stuff like that that uh, makes life a little easier when you're using these vans for, for work and stuff. Well, I mean, not only work, but, you know, a lot of these a lot of these guys use them for, for camping, you know, yeah. off-roading, you know. Um, I know... Um, Quigley, I think, makes like a four-wheel drive kit now for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of guys are replacing their E-Series vans with, with these mm-hmm. with these four yeah, transit there, now. Yeah, there's a whole other category called Overlanders, which are using these vans to, to camp out of, you know. So right. you can go someplace one day and, and hang out and, and have a good time and then pack up and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And um, you, need, you need, when you do that and you go off-road, you need a little bit more ground clearance and, and a little better tire. Right. So these kits sort of you know help you out with that mm-hmm. they're the modern day hippie vehicle now yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i'm you know why you know what's the next step to to improving you know the ride quality of, of these vans like you know suspension i mean what's well you know it depends on what you want to do with it um you know if, if you're going to 
take it off road down dirt roads and stuff like that you definitely need you know a little bit of shock and stuff like that i mm -hmm. mean i have stock shocks on ours right now which are actually pretty good but um now i'm starting to see some other companies coming out with new struts for the front shocks for the rear oh there, there, there is somebody that's making yeah. a strut for them huh yeah i've actually seen bilstein's coming out with one i've i've talked to all these guys about a year ago and um they weren't too sure if they're going to make them but it takes a while for them to sort of get it going and stuff yeah even a uh, company i was i was looking for aluminum wheels and they weren't even available and uh to get the right spacing the offset and what have you and and um been talking to a friend of mine uh, scott down at ultra wheels and they finally came out with a wheel for him and it's a good looking wheel I yeah mean. exactly yeah it's it's really nice worked out really well um so you know it's some of these bigger companies it takes a while for them to to get things going but mm -hmm. um I think the other stuff that we like making is the more personalized stuff and, and stuff that just improve the, the handling and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, so with our lift kit, what it does is it actually angles the A-arm a little bit more. So it, it actually stiffens it up a little bit, but not terrible. Mm -hmm. But it makes it handle a lot better. You don't get a lot of roll out of it and stuff. Yeah, I did, I did notice that. Now, is, is it going to like reduce you know, or cut the life of the, uh, the you know, what is it, like the bushings or whatever that's in there? No, it's not going to change any of that. Um, when you put this kit in, all you have to do is readjust the toe, mm -hmm. you know, the, the wheels in and out, and um, correct the alignment there, and, and you're good to go. Yeah, I think it took me like five hours to do it, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, if you have basic tools and a floor jack and stuff like that, a couple, you know, stands, all you're doing is pulling the lower control arm off. I, I ripped I ripped everything off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, ripped the yeah. Whole, I ripped the whole front end off. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I want to see how everything works. So yeah. and then I just put it back together. Yeah, it's it's not that difficult if you got some tools and stuff like that. You know, it's you know the it, it goes to put it together. You know, just take it apart and put it back together with the new control arm that we supply. Yeah, I had one. I had a problem with one bolt. It 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 wouldn't back out. Mm. So we ended up cutting it, and we had to put a new uh, graded bolt in that sucker. Yeah, man. that's yeah. That held me up a little bit. Yeah, that might have been built on a Friday at the dealership or the factory or <laughs> the something factory, like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And then in the back, you just uh, we have a, a two-inch spacer block that um, replaces, you know, what goes in between the spring and the axle housing mm -hmm. to level the van out. And um, I'm 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 really happy with it for for what it does. Yeah, for sure. So, but I mean, you could like add a, another leaf to it, right? You, you could add another to? leaf. Um, I would. Uh, we're sort of been looking at. Um, you know, you could actually replace the whole spring stack because basically on those they have two leaves and a real big thick helper leaf, mm -hmm. as opposed to just designing a whole new stack of leaves. Um, would be a way to go too to eliminate the spacer block. Uh, spacer blocks are okay if you don't go too crazy with the height on them. Right. Um, but two inches is not offensive, mm -hmm. and um, it makes a it just um, makes a, a nice complete package. Right. So, so you you're getting uh, you know you get modified brand new control arms. Yeah. You get the uh, the the the. We have a, a, a billet aluminum spacer block that fits on top of the strut. Okay. And then uh, new U bolts and a spacer block for the back. And uh, that that that's that package deal for what like fourteen hundred bucks. Fourteen, yeah, fourteen hundred dollars, and uh, you got the whole kit to to change it over. Okay. And then if you ever want to go back, it's it's. There's nothing set in stone. You can just put it right back. Yeah, in. just keep all yeah. your old stuff, yeah, your, your exactly. factory stuff. And yeah, It goes back to, yeah. to, to stock. And that way you can put what we have is a, what we call it. It's a tire. It's a 245-75R16 mm -hmm. uh, size tire on there. And um, I think we had to do a minimal little bit of plastic trimming. But um, other than that, um, it just it's a it's a nice package. I, and it, feels, I, it makes it feel like a truck. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, but honestly, like it drives like a car. 
Well, yeah, those things are really nice. I mean, we, we have the largest one, and it, it turns really nice, and mm-hmm. and um, that's not an issue. I mean, that's how I fell in love with the thing because the thing was, you know, it just maneuvers really well and what have you. Mm-hmm. Plus, they're they're a lot less expensive to work on than, than the sprinters. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just your general maintenance. I heard it's like $300 oil change for those things or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that, and, and um, or just anything, you know, and they're, and they're pretty simple to work on. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, I think they did a real good job on it. Um, I think we're just uh, maybe sprucing them up a little bit. Yeah, I, they need it. They need it because they're they're so low, you know. And um, I don't know if they're gonna come out with a factory four wheel drive kit, but I think they need to because you know Mercedes already has their stuff. Yeah, out. yeah, they they might, um, but I, I haven't heard anything about that yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, definitely a four wheel drive is gonna go a lot different places than a two wheel drive. Yeah. But I'm sure, you know, we've had this down in Mexico and stuff, and I, I'm not afraid to go anywhere with it, at yeah. least, you know, if you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, you you really don't want to go too extreme because it's 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 a high center of gravity, and it, it's taller than the E-Series vans, you know yeah. what I mean? So the the chances of it rolling over well, are a little yeah, higher. <laughs> yeah, my incentive over this whole thing was just, you know, the, the, the tires that came stock on there were just, you know, too underrated, I think, and I had gotten two flats already, and I just go, you know. And then also, too, I'm... I don't like leaving stuff <laughs> alone, you know. I gotta do something to it, just to, right. you know. But um, yeah, so it was just one of those things that you know, if it go a little bigger tire, I needed more clearance, and mm-hmm. and raising it up two inches doesn't really affect the handling at all. I think the way we've done it, it actually handles better. Uh, yeah, I agree. And you know what? And and people are afraid, like, oh my god, I gotta do all this stuff. Is like, as long as you have some basic car knowledge and 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 you know a jack jack a couple axle stands and, yeah and and unafraid i mean it's yeah. just you know you just just sort of watch the way you take it apart and it goes back together the same way right right so but you know it's 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 i think it's it's a pretty simple process right so you, so besides the the lift you have the grab bars and then you have the led light yeah we have that and then also we're working in the works right now i'm making a um a replacement rear bumper with actually a built-in trailer hitch and backup nice. lights. Nice. A uh, nice heavy-duty bumper that, mm-hmm. that will bolt to the back. And then uh, another thing I noticed was driving on the freeway all the time. I've, I've, you know, I see a lot of these transits, and I noticed the gas doors were, a lot of them were that were missing. <laughs> you know, and and, um, and, I, and, yes. I, and I know why because you climb out of these things that you know, your pants grab the door and it yep. breaks them off. Yep. And um, so I said, there's got to be something to correct this, you mm-hmm. know, because if you go to the dealership to get it replaced, it's like $300 bill. P- plus that little plastic piece underneath, you know, it's got like four little tabs. And I know on mine, I had to like, like set them offset because like two of them were broken for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was luckily, you know, I had caught a, caught my pants on the door a couple of times and opened it up. So I've actually designed a, a piece that goes over the front of it. So you can't do that. Okay. On the transits, or I mean, on the on the sprinters, they open the other way, so you can't really affect it. Mm-hmm. You can't open it up accidentally. So these are little things that I see a problem, I try to solve it. Practical stuff. Yeah, exactly. So because um, there's always, you know, when I'm climbing out of the car, I'm always thinking, am I going to catch the gas door, you know, and break it <laughs> off, you know? So I've noticed a lot of, if you look around at these transits, you'll either see, most of them are white, you'll see them either with a black door on there because they had to replace them. <laughs> or oh, there's just, nothing there. There's nothing there at all. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of them too. So I, I figured the, that, that needed to be addressed. So yeah. we'll so, work on that. So with the front end, there, you could only adjust the uh, the toe, right, not the, not the camber? The camber is, is preset from the factory. There's nothing you can do to it. There, there's no kit that you guys can make that'll 
help with that? Or um, There is a kit that we could make, but it would be uh, actually making an aftermarket complete control arm okay. with an adjustable ball joint. Okay. And depending on the demand or something like that, I mean, I think that might be a good item for somebody that maybe has a transit that got in an accident and they can't correct the camber anymore or something right. like that. You could put this on there and, and readjust it. Mm-hmm. But right now, we just all we would do is modify the stock one to bring it back after you lift it up two inches. Mm-hmm. Nice, so, nice. So um, what are your plans for the future for the company? Like besides the the bikes and the transit i mean you got you got other stuff in the works well we do you know we have machines we have cnc machines so actually i'm helping out a friend of mine right now and and he's in the uh um, utv business oh okay so he's got a website uh, he sells a lot of parts on it's called fierce off-road and um what they found out is they're selling a lot of parts but they're having a hard time getting parts from different vendors Mm -hmm. and so um he used to have a trophy truck, and I helped him out with that. And what oh, okay. Happened. So, um, and they were actually um, finishing up a brand new um, uh, Can-Am they built from scratch um, for the Mint 400 coming up. Nice. And so we, we're we building parts for him right now for aftermarket uh, suspension for the, for the Can-Ams. Mm-hmm. And um, so when we have spare machine time, we'll go ahead and, and make a bunch of parts for him and stuff like that. So he's actually putting his own brand on the parts that we're making for him. So now he's he has a little bit of better control of parts that he can sell. That's cool. Instead of buying them from somebody and then reselling them. Plus it keeps the, keeps the machines running, so that means you're making money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the machines aren't doing anything if they're, you know, they're not making money if they're just sitting there and stuff right. like that. So we're planning on getting a couple more machines to fit in there. And um, and the UTV market's pretty big, And um, but we're designing, I'm helping him design some aftermarket stuff that, that I think will be pretty cool. Awesome, awesome. So, so you, you're gonna you're gonna add you're gonna add more more equipment to your to your shop. Yeah, we're looking at. Uh, I've got a couple machines right now that are that are you know been with me since I bought them probably twelve years ago, and and a lot of things have changed. You know, more high speed machining and and stuff like that, and the software. So we're looking to replace those with some new Haas machines. Um, That's a big investment. Yeah, it's a big investment, but, you know, if, if you keep them running and making parts and stuff like that, it, it pays for itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they've done a lot of uh, changes over the years. So, you know, the technology now as far as machining and stuff is all high-speed machining. You're you're taking less off, but you're running faster. Mm-hmm. Any any plans to, to change the material type that you're using now, like titanium or anything like that? I mean, no, no. We, we've always done aluminum, and that's sort of what, what we know you know best and, mm-hmm. and it works really well and, and it holds up for a long time so you know as long as we're building bikes they're going to be made out of aluminum okay so um if like let's say gabe you know he just bought a new frame right yeah so if if he like takes a big hook or something and you know cracks or something can he can he can bring it into you guys and you guys I mean, yeah what, i mean what's the process of that does it get a new frame does it get it, it, it does... depends on what they did you know i mean if you, you can go out and and abuse something and not know what you're doing and make mm-hmm. a mistake and then that's that's one thing i mean we do have like a crash replacement program i mean if there's any defects due to our our behalf i mean we're more than happy to replace it or do whatever it takes to to get you back on the trail mm-hmm. um but um you, you know can, i i can tell you know i can look at a frame and tell you exactly what happened to it you know when <laughs> uh when uh you tried to do something that maybe you weren't capable of doing or, or, or wasn't designed to do. <laughs> right. Do, do, I mean, do, I mean, I was with with the with the strict kind of quality control you guys do. I mean, it's it's pretty rare that you guys get any kind of like you know 
defect stuff coming in, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we've been doing it long enough to where we know where the weak points are or whatever, so we address all those issues. And, and there's hardly any return rate, and, and then the maintenance on them is zero. I mean, we very seldom sell any bearings or whatever just because they're out of the way and they're supported and everything makes a big difference. Is they're just aligned straight, so anything that's, if it was off alignment, it's just going to wear stuff out a lot quicker. So we don't see problems like that at all. It's a no, no, uh, no bearing replacements or anything. No, I mean we. It's not like you know we very seldom sell bearings. Wow. You know, it's because you know unless you you know crazy with a power washer or something like that, or you're going by the ocean <laughs> and, and that type of stuff. But as far as the the bearings, you know, I mean our bearings are, are double sealed, and then they're sealed again with O rings, and and our linkages is up high so it's out of the way, and our main pivot bearings are are sealed and stuff like that. So it's very seldom do we ever have people calling up needing bearings well that's good because it, it keeps it, it keeps the uh, you know the production moving instead of you know you know pulling somebody from there from what they're doing to yeah to address this issue that you yeah know. yeah it, that's i mean i don't even think about that i mean we just we build them and ship them out we very we never hear from them again unless you know <laughs> you know they, they call us up and say hey they like this right right like or or, or like gabe or he wants he wants another one yeah yeah well he's he's a different guy but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I i seen him and he, he he puts a lot of a lot of miles on his bikes and he's got oh, yeah. the uh was it like avalanche suspension on his stuff yeah yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. He he definitely uh, he he likes the brand a lot, and um, he just uh, you know he he knows that he can go out and go ride and not have issues with the bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen him have issues with with other brand bikes, and uh, where they just don't hold up to his abuse. Yeah, I mean you know a lot of people you know you can be big or small, and and people ride different and and what have you. But um, we we try to make our bikes as strong as possible and, and keep the weight down. Mm-hmm. But you know you got to think about it. They're still made out of thin aluminum, right? And you know if they're used and and ridden the way they're supposed to be used, then they're going to last you a long time. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you have a um, is the large frame compared to you know another brand, I mean, I mean, is there like a huge weight difference, or, or is this very minimal where you're not really going to notice it? Well, it depends on the model and stuff like that. Okay. I mean, you know, the difference between a, a well constructed carbon frame, you know, with you know what's it you know, gusseted and, and, you know, the strength put in the right places mm-hmm. compared to our aluminum frame. I mean, you might be talking a pound, pound and a half difference. That's, that's like wheel set, you know. Yeah, some... but, you know, I mean, to some people that makes a big difference, you know. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you just got to have the, the carbon frame, you know. Right. Um, a lot of people think that, you know, aluminum frames are, are something that's, you know, either, you know, should be sold cheaper or just, you know, a second-rate citizen. But, right, um, right. But it's it's not. I mean, th- these aluminum frames are designed to, you know, like I said, go out and, and beat them up. And if you fall down and land on something, you know, not worry about it being fractured and, mm-hmm. and, and can't ride it anymore. Yeah, you hit you hit a rock instead of, you know, with this, it would probably just be yeah. a little dent here or, you know, for versus carbon or probably. Yeah, I mean, the carbon frames, yeah, I mean, the carbon frames, they have their place and stuff like that. I mean. You know, you're starting to see more and more of them with, you know, rubber mounts, you know, rubber protection everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, to protect them and stuff like that. And then you start adding weight to them. Right. So, so now, now now you're back to, you know, something like this where yeah. it's like not even a, a big difference. No, no, it's there's not that big of a difference. I mean, it's going to be a different ride and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, we people that buy our bikes, we they never come back and regret it. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have any reservations on, like, man, I should have done something different you know like kind of gone different direction well no i mean our our basic concept 
uh, on our bikes from day one have always been a single pivot design. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes a difference where the pivot is and stuff like that. And, you know, we got some slack over that because the multi-pivot bikes, the problem with the multi-pivot bikes is, is you know, you got alignment issues, you got more moving parts. And like I said, I like simplicity and I like dependability. And sometimes you don't get those with the multi-pivot type bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, the suspension is going to work differently and stuff like that. But if you've got a well-tuned shock, personally myself, I don't think it makes that big a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, um, you know, we still make single-pivot designs. And, and actually, they work really well with one-bys. So, um, I you know, I don't regret, you know, you know, you know if I going like okay well we got to go this way because that's where everybody's going and Mm -hmm. stuff like that i just like i said from day one i've always built them the way basically the way i'd want my bike to be built right and you know if you guys like them that's fine so if um, you don't then that's fine too yeah yeah that's true (laughs) i i don't just build things to you know to follow the trends and stuff like that right so i just try to improve them as we go Mm -hmm. and um you know, see what happens. You know, right. we've been around long enough to where I think, you know, I think we might be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 25 years in the industry, it's, you know, and, and there's a lot of companies that, you know, that have gone under, you know. and Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, depending on what, you know, what causes that, I'm not really sure. Um, you can get, try to grow too fast too soon. Um, and I, I, one that I don't like to take too big of chances, but I like to, you know, I like to make sure I know where I'm going and what direction and mm-hmm. stuff. And, and you know plan it out right and um so it's it's one of those things that um you know you just you learn as you go mm-hmm. so you do you see the bike industry you know progressing where, where we're at now like you know or or you think there's just too many too many hands in the you know in the, in the pot where they're like hey let's 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 try this let's try that you know what i mean yeah i mean it it's a lot easier now for someone with money to just start a bike brand mm-hmm. you know it's it's not like you know taking your dues and, 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 and start making them from scratch and see how it goes and what have you. Um, there's a lot more companies now than there were when I started. So it's a lot, there's a lot more competition mm-hmm. and, um, everybody's, you know, the market's just, I think pretty much flooded with, with mountain bikes. Mm-hmm. And, um, so then, then you start seeing discounts and all that type of stuff because they've got containers full of this stuff they need to get rid of. Yeah. Because, they want to blow it out. Yeah, exactly. And, and so now people, you know, they see a price on something, you know, and they go, well, I'm just going to wait a month and it'll be discounted. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, I don't even bother to try to compete against people like that. I mean, because we mainly do in, you know, in quality and, and, and you know. The craftsmanship. Well, the craftsmanship and, and, and personal you know, relationships with customers and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the guys that want to, you know, start a bike brand and, and order containers full of frames and, and try to, you know, sell them and stuff like that, I that's just not my interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plus, I mean, there's no pride in it. You know what I mean? You guys have pride in what you guys are doing. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different. It's just a different way of thought. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, for me to have you know bikes come overseas and and it just it just I don't know. It takes the fun out of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. It takes there's there's no challenge for me. Right. You, you want to get your hands dirty. Yeah. I, yeah. I like to. I like a challenge and I like to you know just be hands-on right, right as opposed to you know sitting behind a desk and ordering parts you know which is very easy to do yeah exactly <laughs> so you know and and you know and and then you know overseas stuff is you know it's a lot you know you can't just get in your car and go over there and see what the problem is you right. know so right that, that's a whole nother issue and i'm starting to see you know people not just in the bicycle industry but other stuff coming back here and stuff like that just just for that reason 
Where where just, they they want the made in the USA well, type of deal? Yeah, or? I mean, you, there's a there's a toss up in the cost and stuff like that as far as quality control and watching everything and and what it costs to bring stuff over and and all that type of stuff. So if there's not that big of a difference as opposed to doing it here, you know, it, it sometimes works out better. You know, and and hopefully there's going to be more incentives to have American made stuff mm-hmm. brought back here. Right. I mean, you know, mountain biking started here. You know, and yeah. and and you know, it's it's a shame that a lot of people are just you know looking at at the money issue and that's just what said, it is you know hey well, let's go let's just go get them made over there and come over here and 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 you know push them on people mm-hmm. they, they just so, they just want to fatten their their their, their wallets and pockets you know yeah and, yeah i mean it's you know you start getting large quantities sure it costs more to make stuff here and stuff like that but like i said i think we fit in a different category yeah you know so we're more and more hands-on handcrafted you know american-made products and and you know there's not too many of us left but um as, as long as I still like doing it, I'm going to continue. Now, there, there's like a uh, like a, um, an expo where where it's just all about handcrafted bikes, right? Yeah, that's um, the the hand. Um, I can't think of the name of it right now, but um, they had all handcrafted bikes. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we went to one a couple of years ago up in Sacramento. Okay, and you get a little bit of everything, and those guys are hardcore. I mean, they they like making stuff. I mean, it's it's a shame that we don't see more of that, you know in in the mountain bike industry mm-hmm. most of it's that those guys are doing or or you know cruisers or or um, just you know road bikes right. and that type of stuff right. so and there are people that still want that stuff you know they want the, the hand braised steel frames and stuff yeah so it's it, unique it's not yeah. you know a, a cookie cutter design you know it's yeah. different we we went up there and i showed my bikes and i i sort of fit right in with those guys you know they appreciated all the the work that we did and stuff mm-hmm. like that you know so um yeah, there's there's small, still small frame manufacturers out making you know frames and stuff like that, and um, you know I, I I like to see that. Right. So the the original bike that you had that you that you first built, you still have that? Yeah, this actually it's in the museum up there, in Marin. Oh, really? So you donated yeah. it to the museum? Yeah, actually, well, uh, my good friend uh, Stefan I mentioned earlier. Um, He's been gathering up all my stuff, a lot of old stuff I have laying around. I'm, <laughs> I'm not too sentimental about a lot of the stuff. I have a couple items. I have one of Missy's race bikes, Missy Giovi's downhill bikes I won the championship with and stuff, and a couple others, um, different models and stuff I've played with through the years. Um, but he's gathered up some stuff, and he actually, we have that first one bike that we built. It's actually up there in the museum wow. uh, up in Marin County, and... Um, if you've never been up there, it's it's pretty cool. You sort of get an idea of where bikes started and, and where they're heading and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really neat to have that sitting up there. Right. So 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 you had bikes that were you know like championship winning bikes back in the day racing downhill. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean we had prototype stuff. I made a lot of crazy stuff that that a lot of people didn't quite comprehend. Um, that didn't quite comprehend what what I was doing um, because I was always trying to find something that worked really well right um you know we were the first ones to you know we were using floating rear brakes i had a suspension that was designed around um the kernut shock but also didn't have a coil spring or an air shock it had a leaf spring um just different items like that 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 really worked well but at the time i really couldn't put it in production because i don't think it was ready yet mm-hmm. people didn't quite quite comprehend what was going on so we had to sort of stick to the norm and what have you okay 
So how, how many championships did, did your did your uh, did your bikes win um, in, in the years that were racing? Well, downhill? we've won uh, Norman National Championships, won some World Cup races, uh, Junior World Championships, stuff like that. Awesome. Actually, some of my um, my riders that used to ride for me, like for example Todd LaDuke, he races for the monster trucks now. You're, wait, Todd LaDuke used to race? Really? Yeah, he used to race for me. He won the no Norman kidding? National Championship. Yeah, back in uh, I think uh, two thousand. Wow. And uh, Missy Jovi's won some championships and stuff like that. And um, um, Kyle LaDuke, um, he also um, has raced some of my bikes for me, and he races uh, the uh, short course stuff. Short course stuff yeah, right now, yeah. yeah. Well, I I got to know them through his dad because his dad raced off road and right. raced against him and stuff like right. that. And Kurt, yeah, Kurt. So yeah. I, I met the kids down there in Ensenada a long time ago. We were <laughs> we were running the short course races there, and uh, oh, at Estero Beach, Estero Beach, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we came down there with some some off road cars and. Uh, he had an extra uh, off-road truck, a uh, four-wheel drive, that uh, he brought down there to sell to a guy, and the guy never showed up. So I said, why don't you let me drive it? And he says, well, <laughs> i tell you what, I'll trade you for a frame. And um, so I went ahead and raced it that weekend, and I gave him a frame later on, and I, I think that went to Todd, and that's how he got into mountain biking. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. So it, it was fun. You know, it's, it's, it's a small world, you know? Yeah. So, well, I mean... Are you are you still involved in off road racing, or are you kind of just over that? No, I'm not over it. I'll, I'll always be part of it. I'm, you know, but my work sort of um, takes a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. But um, like I said, um, we're going up to the Mint in a couple months for the race up there and stuff right. like that. And um, I try to get to some of the short course races and stuff. And if anybody needs any help, you know, making something or whatever, I try to help them out and what have you. So. Okay, so so you so you if anybody needs some like prototype or one yeah stuff, we know. can we can do that kind of stuff i because that's that's where we came from you know i mean mm-hmm. i did that for a long time and put a lot of hours <laughs> stuck down in mexico i, um, I can relate to that <laughs> three o'clock in the morning in a dry lake bed you know oh yeah, yeah. covered with gear lube or whatever you know <laughs> yeah, but, i helped i helped out a billy bunch uh-huh. um and uh he was jeep speed and he bro- he broke the the front end of the car and we ended up in the at the uh, dry lake bed all night, and you can hear the cars just going by. I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, that's that's, oh, our, yeah. that's our night. Yeah, yeah, I've been in those situations, too. <laughs> I was underneath a car trying to fix it, and we were at the bottom of a, a silty turn, and the cars would come around, and then they'd slow down, and then to go up the hill, they had to gas it, and I had gear lube all over me, and then <laughs> before I know it, I had all the sand stuck to me, and it looked like a glazed donut, you know? <laughs> But um, at those times, you wonder, you know, hey, what am I doing here? You know, right. but is uh, it really worth it? Huh? Yeah, yeah, but it, it's an adventure. Right on. So, um, uh, as we close, what what are your takeaways? I mean, what kind of advice can you give somebody that's you know maybe wants to get into building bikes by hand or wants to get into the industry? Well, um, you know, I mean, I followed my passion. I mean, I found that this is something I like doing. I like I like making things, you know, and I still make other things too. Um, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's tougher now in the bicycle industry than it was when I got into it because it was just at the beginning and people really didn't know, you know, what would work and what wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's, it's, it's changed a lot, quite a bit. Um, you know, for someone to get in the, in the industry now, it, you know, it takes a lot more money to, you know, to actually, you know, you got to sell a lot of bikes to make it worthwhile. Right. Um, but, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say no to anybody if they have a passion for something like that because I'm, you know, I could have had someone say that to me. But, um, you know, I just, I like creating stuff and this was something that really sparked my interest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, if anybody, you know, had some questions or, or wanted to see what we did or whatever, 
you know, they can come by and I can explain to them what, you know, what goes on and what it takes to do something like this. I mean, you, you've got to, you know, you've really got to be dedicated, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of people that started and lasted two or three years because it was too, too hard. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm, I'm just one that just, you know, I think positive all the time and keep it moving. Right. Awesome. Well, um, any, any final thoughts besides that? Well, um, it's been an honor to come here and talk to you and, and sort of, you know, like I said, I like telling my story. I don't, you know, I don't get out and, and talk to as many people as I probably should and let them know what's going on. But um, w- we've got an open house at our shop if people want to call and, and talk to Bobby at the phone and, mm-hmm. and make an appointment to come by and see what we do or whatever. You know, that, that kind of stuff. I, I like showing people how, how this stuff's made. That's awesome because, you know, like I said, you, you can go to some shops and, you know, like people don't want you to go back to see what the you know like the machine yeah. work and stuff like that because yeah. they don't want i don't know they like they have like this phobia that people are going to copy them or something like that i don't know it's kind of weird yeah it's um you know i mean we're not that way i mean we do have a top secret room that nobody's allowed to get into <laughs> but other than that we we pretty much you know i'll show people how to do stuff you know right. and and um it's not that you know it's not rocket scientists it's it's just um it's just you know just having a good time making stuff and and enjoying what you're doing Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming in, sir. And, and uh, um, now that now that you got some stuff working, in, you know, in the works for uh, for Sea Otter, I'll, I'll, I want to have you come back in the studio. We can sure talk about yeah. the new bikes that you yeah. Come I'll out uh, I'll be farther ahead, and and uh, I can sort of clue you on on some more <laughs> stuff that we're doing. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you.